Welcome everybody to Learning with Del Vista Studios. I'm excited today. We've got Nate here with us. And basically, he's a super fan of Del Vista Studios. I'm just going to shout that out. I want to recognize you for that because we're very grateful. I swear you like every single post and that just pumps us up. But like the value of you doing that for us and why we put out all the information and tips that we do is that we want to help others and help their people. So I want to recognize you for investing in yourself because when you like our posts and read them, I'm sure that you're putting that into action and your learners and the organization that you work for is like getting value. So well done you for investing in yourself. I think that's pretty cool. Well, thank you for putting so much stuff out. I think, um, part of being in learning and development is being a learner yourself. So, um, we're not consistently and you know, we're not always seeking out new information, uh, and testing ourselves. Uh, we're not doing ourselves or, um, the, the learners that we have under our guidance. I don't know if it's the right word, but, uh, that, that we have, you know, responsibility over, we're not doing them justice if we're not trying to push ourselves and grow and develop. Yeah. So thanks for putting so much content out. Our pleasure. We're learning all the time, so may as well share it. <laughs> nope. um, so I guess how this came about is um, we put out a post about infinite and finite mindsets. And after a bit of banter, Nate said, there's probably a whole podcast on what we can learn from rugby values and its relationship to L&D. So that's where we're going. If you've clicked on this video or this podcast, you know what it's about because it's the title. But I just, I'm really pumped because I think we can come at this from a perspective of like through the lens of rugby, but you're going to hear things about L&D that you're going to hear them differently that might kickstart you to actually do something different um, or do the things that you've always wanted to do. And I want to just point out, obviously that's why Nate's just, chilling in the Ulster rugby uh, field there, you know, and representing actually my local, he's in the other side of the world, but the local Reds rugby team here from Australia, stadiums across the road, not very good team in particular. But I do appreciate you wearing the jersey and the fact that you even have that is pretty cool. Um, so, first question. Yeah. If L&D teams, could learn from any one rugby team in the world, who would they, what team would it be? And what's the one word or one phrase that describes why they should pay attention to what they do? So for me, I'm gonna go All Blacks, so the New Zealand national team. And the word for me is uncanny culture. Who's your team? What's your mm -hmm. phrase? So, Part of me, part of me, I, I'm, I'm of two minds. I think All Blacks is a really easy, uh, mm -hmm. not easy like like I'm saying you're taking the easy option out. Uh, there's so much great yeah, stuff to no. pull from. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they win, right? It's a winning culture. And if you dig into their philosophy, um, you can look in, online and find articles about their coaching philosophy, the psychology of how they treat stuff, but they win and they win consistently. Um, I think if I had to pick someone... I would be drawn to going to the British and Irish Lions, which is a uh, 
every four-year touring side uh, comprised of the top players from England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. So every mm-hmm. four years, they uh, go to uh, New Zealand, Australia, or South Africa on a rotational basis, uh, meaning that it's once every 12 years that they'll be there in Australia playing. So it's, it's a really big deal. Uh, and the word I, I would probably pick would be heritage. And how I think that's applicable uh, to L&D is that we're not the first to do this. Um, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. So there's so much out there uh, for us to learn from. And people have been doing this for a long time. And you can go back and back and back, all the way back to cavemen sitting around a campfire telling stories, right? storytelling narrative all of that is such a big piece of what we do we just do it differently and we do it to help organizations make money so um yeah heritage is what i would lean into wow i love that are the so the, the british and irish lines would they normally win their games against because they come together basically for a camp from they come from their places come for the camp play the games go back to their other lives whereas they're playing against teams that they're always together. They are the team, the national team that train together all the time. What are their, what's their strike rate? Are they winning most of the games? Um, so they had a really long streak of, you know, really good record of winning. Um, okay. And uh, in kind of more the more modern era, they started to struggle just for the exact reason that you pointed out. Uh, then the last series against uh, Australia, so going back, uh, more than eight years ago, they won. Uh, and then this, the most recent series against New Zealand, they drew, which, uh, so, uh, you know, it, it was even. Um, so um, I think that's pretty good. Uh, it, no one likes to draw, but when, again, when you're going against a team like New Zealand, I think that that's a pretty good feat to pull off. Yeah. What do you think it is about the heritage that makes it so yeah, you said storytelling and that, but I guess one of the things, actually I said read it, is um, from that infinite post, there was a quote, which I think really resonates with what you're saying. It's probably going to find like, yeah, it's going to be hard for me. Entertain the audience there while I'm trying to find this quote. So um, <laughs> this, is, this is how you make a dove or a bird <laughs> using your fingers. That's all I got. I don't have anything else. Nice work, to, nice work. Where did you learn that? Um, I'd like to say I made it up, but I, TV, the TV? great teacher. And why have you held on to that piece of knowledge? I think that's a very embedded piece of knowledge that I think <laughs> it'd be good if we could capture how to do that for other things in L&D. Yeah, it just, I mean, it's, you take your hands, you're like, you're sh- shaking your own hands and you just go up and magic fingers, so... Cool. I, I don't know. It just stuck with me because it's an easy hand gesture. Nice work. Nice work. Thank you for filling the space for 30 seconds. Um, so <laughs> the, this is a quote from the blog um, and it's talking about an infinite mindset from Simon Sinek. So an infinite mindset creates a reality that works for your best interests, a reality that is vastly more conducive to our deep seated human need to feel safe, to contribute to something bigger than ourselves and to provide for ourselves. I think that really resonates with the heritage stuff. Would you like to expand further? 
on what that means in a practical sense if you're in an L&D team? Yeah, well, I, I think at some point we all have to come to the conclusion that um, we're here for a short time. I mean, life is, life is finite. So mm -hmm. the only way to achieve any sense of greatness is by to, to make a contribution that keeps going on. So to give back. Um, and if we're not giving back, if we're not putting stuff out there, then, then that finite time that we live is just here and gone. Mm -hmm. So from a legacy standpoint and from heritage, I think that we have to start looking at, you know, life that way. You're not always going to be, um, running your team. If you're an L and D manager, or if you're a L and D, you know, if you're a uh, instructional designer, you're, you're, you have you know, X amount of years in your career, and then you're going to retire or God forbid be something, <laughs> something else, yeah. but you're only going to be in that chair doing that for so long. So think about the contributions you can make. Think about what people need. That's mm -hmm. how you're going to make a lasting, you know, contribution. That's how your legacy can continue. That's how you can help build and continue heritage for other people. Give them something that they can stand on as they go forward. And I guess to that point, don't, Hoard your information, share it. Um, if you learn something cool, put it out there, let the world know. Yeah. That's pretty good. I cool. guess that's really what I would say. Yeah. It reminds me of, do you know in Rugby Sevens, the Blitzbocker? Yep. So it reminds me of them because I guess at the core of rugby, it's just passing and catching a ball. Skills <laughs> that we learn at a very young age. So yeah. anyone can do those. They're the basic skills that you need to play. But what stands out for me with the Blitzbocker is passion and taking that heritage to the next level and being there to know that they're there for a small amount of time, but they want to have fun and passion while they're doing it. And I think that comes through the creativity, the flair, the bringing together of the team. And so it doesn't matter everyone has the same skills. We all have to move forward, get from one end to this field, but it's how you do it. And if you can attract and recruit a team that is passionate and what you're talking about that, you know, let's do it for a bigger purpose and what the quote is representing, they're doing very well, but everyone has the same skills, but they're taking it to the next level from my perspective because they are having fun. They're passionate about what they're doing. And as a result, all these good things are happening around them. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll, I'll go back to the to the Lions and um, when they receive their jerseys, there's a number on them. So they know exactly what number they are in terms of the total amount of Lions players that have ever played. Wow. So it's, it's these big egos, right? We're talking about professional athletes taking a moment to be small in order to contribute to something large. And I think it's that, that idea of being comfortable um, with that concept of you may be a superstar, you may be amazing, but being okay in, in taking a moment and being small and not making it all about you mm. uh, in order to do something massive. So from a, an, an instructional design standpoint or even a facilitation standpoint, make it all about the learner. It's not about you. And if you will shine if you make it all about the learner. If you do that, you will stand out, but it's not about making it about me. It's not the Nate Roland show. 
Um, it's about me making it all about whatever learner I, I have in front of me. If I make it all about them, then something big can really happen. Yeah, I feel that makes me feel like there's something powerful within it. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. What have you learnt from rugby? Because you played, right? Yeah. Didn't get your number for the... <laughs> you played and coached? Okay, cool. What have you taken from that for your own L&D practice? What are you putting into place within your team, within your individual contribution as an L&D person? Tackling. No, that's... In the office, just rugby yeah. tackling everyone? Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, How does that go no, down? I, yeah, yeah. Harassment yeah. claims, left, friends. Don't, don't tell HR about it, just do it. Um, yeah, no... <laughs> I think for me, I think what I, I really take, there's a lot of values. So if you, if you go out there and search rugby values, you might come across World Rugby, the, the international governing body, or one of the rugby unions like the Irish rugby or USA rugby or Australia rugby, whatever. You might come across their values. But having values um, based on respect, really, because I think that's the one thing they all kind of echo, is I think a really, really big thing. So showing respect for people it doesn't matter who they are mm -hmm. um what their background is just giving people respect for kind of their intrinsic work so it doesn't matter if they're a brand new employee it doesn't matter if they're a seasoned veteran show yep. people respect um we all deserve it so give it how do you do that what does that look like when you're facilitating or when you're designing initiatives so I'll, let me start with the design aspect. I think that's probably more of the you, you are and your audience is. I think when it comes to design, I think it's being considerate of the learner. So thinking about who's going to be coming to the table. Um, you will know your organization or your your base uh, better than I will, but consider consider all the needs. Um, are you thinking about you know closed captioning? Are you thinking about making it easy to read? Are you, you know, all of those things, being considerate of the learner, being considerate that someone with special, you know, some sort of special needs yeah. consideration might be there. It's, it's tough. It takes more work, um, so, but it's the right kind of work to be doing because you're, you're making sure that everybody is able to come along with you. So it's not just, you know, a select few. You're bringing everybody uh, to the table. And that, that to me, from a design standpoint, is really what, what the respect is about. Just being respectful of their time as well, right? So don't don't make them sit through something they don't need to sit through. Um, that's another way to think about it. Um, from a facilitation standpoint, uh, again, it's it's just it's just about trying to engage everyone, trying to work with everybody, uh, making sure that you make it as personal as you can, making a personal connection, making eye contact, engaging the learner. Um, I think it's uh, you had. Um, Allen Interactions on um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, mm -hmm. They're a great organization. Ethan Edwards, who's part of that organization, something that he said a long time ago, and I'm really poorly paraphrasing this, but he talks about like, if you can invest in anything, invest in engagement. Um, so engage your learners. I think it's all about, you know, double down on engagement um, if you can, because respecting their time, respecting um, their experience, all that stuff is a, is a big, big part of being successful. Yeah. What are, have you seen any engagement activities done really well or ways within your organization that it's resonated quite well? Um, so 
for right now in the current organization, I think all of our efforts, um, we're having to pivot. We're taking things um, that were classroom based and going virtual with them. Um, so it, to me, it's all about that end user experience. So yeah. it's working with each of my, um, each of, each of my training specialists. Um, they're both designing the learning and facilitating the learning. And we have a, multiple different things going on right now is ensuring that as we make these transitions that the ultimate picture is that learner experience experience and that yeah. we are taking the time to do that so um that we're not just taking a webinar you know we're not taking five hours of someone talking and taking that from a classroom setting and then <laughs> doing it virtual and saying oh good job you went virtual um yeah you went virtual but you did it in a really crappy way um, yeah. So it's, it's, again, it's about if we have a moment to pause and rethink, you should be pausing and rethinking and thinking about the learner experience. What do you think rugby does well in terms of engagement that we could learn? Yeah, so I think sevens, you mentioned sevens uh, a little while ago. I think that's a really good example. Um, it's, I, I don't know if you can tell, I'm a big fella. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing small or uh, necessarily fast about me. So sevens is not my go-to game, but sevens is a really good example of taking something. Uh, rugby is a complex game. So going into markets like the, the U.S. Uh, or um, other markets around the world that aren't traditional rugby nations, um, the 15, so the, the regular um, 15 versus 15 version of the game, uh, may not be the easiest way to start. Sevens is a little bit more friendly uh, for viewing audiences and stuff like that. So over the last 10 years, they've made massive investments to engage smaller communities that don't have as deep um, rooted uh, backgrounds in rugby and invested in sevens. So in the sevens uh, international circuit, you're seeing teams that don't necessarily compete at a high level um, on the world stage in the regular game seeing them be superstars in, in, um, in 15. So you're seeing Fiji, um, who at the 15s level, they're good, right? They're, they're very good, but they're not regularly beating New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, England, Ireland, Scotland. They're not, they're not regularly beating any of those teams. So, um, but in sevens, they're almost unstoppable, unstoppable. Same thing, you have some African nations um, where the 15s game, they're not that great, but they've invested heavily. And in the sevens game, they're getting out in the international stage and it's growing the game, it's getting the word out. And then you look at what they actually do in the stadiums, they've made it a crazy fun festival. Uh, because a sevens tournament, you're playing uh, multiple games in a day instead of one, uh, one singular match event. So they're, you know, it's nuts. The sevens festivals, if you look them up, I mean, they're doing prize contests for costumes so you have people dressed up as all sorts of crazy stuff um <laughs> it's a good environment so they've really done that well and really thought about what the fan experience is like yeah so do the and same guess, for your learning <laughs> no it's so true because they have captured i guess they've made we'll say learning fun um and also it's a it's to me like micro learning it's a snippet of the bigger thing. Get a taste of this. If you want more, there's other options, forms of the game out there, but you're yep. still getting that taste from the seven minute game with the seven players, um, which is 
very fast and can be condensed and as you say all those things um and yeah okay so i have leading on a little bit from that i kind of have like a, a hierarchy observation i'm not a, a rugby expert but i think you'll be able to break it down for me so i've observed that countries like new zealand and ireland now i'm a bit biased because i am irish um but they're small nations similar they've got about four and a half million population but i think they've niched in the sport that they have chosen as their national sport um so obviously the new zealand team very very good again the irish team very very good they're getting results and i think yep. From a small nation, breeding people into that funnel from schoolboy rugby, schoolgirl rugby, um, up to you know the club level, and then the highest kind of measure of success, which is obviously clearly defined because that's what everyone is going for. So that goal that we're trying to achieve as an organisation, everyone's on it from basically when you hear about the game as a young person moving forward. And I think. What we can learn from that in L&D is if we niche our initiatives and don't try to do everything at once and solve all the problems, if we can just focus on the biggest problem or the problem that will have the biggest reward for our organization, that we could put all of our energy into that, everyone would be on the bus, as Mr. Collins mm -hmm. says, and we would get better results. Now I'd like you to break it down from your expert rugby opinion and make a better link to l and <laughs> I, I think, I know, I think you're making a really good connection. And I think what I would mention here is, is something I harp on all the time is learning objectives. Mm. Um, so when I'm dealing with uh, partners within a business, I'm, I'm consistently reminding them that learners only have a certain amount of capacity to, to learn. So if, you know, people are like, they had to learn this 152 points of this. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. That is completely unrealistic. So yeah. what are the one or two things that are most important for them to walk away uh, with from that, that session or whatever it is, if it's e-learning, if it's a live session, if it's a, if it's, you know, a video, what are, what, what are the one or two things that we can really accomplish? And then where do we tell them to go for research if they need to know more details, right? So I, I think going from your analogy, it's, it's, it is that focus um, and, um, and, and funneling people through a system, right? So, so um, I, I, I do think it's really, really interesting that you have um, you know, nations that are small like Ireland, like New Zealand, and I'll even put it this way, like Wales. Wales is a principality. It's, it's a, it, is, it is very small in comparison and they are, very, very good, right? So how are they able to do that? Because Ireland, Wales, New Zealand, any day of, of the week can come over to the United States of America, which is vastly bigger in size and population and absolutely destroy us in the game of rugby. Um, so I like that you just put that in there. No, it, it, the theme is rugby, so I'll let you away with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So what can we learn from that, right? And it, it is about their systems. It's about, it's about the education, it's about the passion. It's about um, the significance of getting that jersey, right? So making, making their, this end, end journey experience about 
when I, you know, I dream of the day I get to put on a green shirt if you're Irish or the black jersey if you're from New Zealand. And you talk to kids, little kids, they're talking about, you know, oh, I could only hope to put on, you know, that jersey. If you're in Australia, it's the gold jersey, right? They, those kids will talk about it. Um, so it's about thinking about your learner and what that end journey is like. And is the reward great enough? Can you show them what is on the other end if they pay attention and learn what you're trying to teach them? So yeah. make that clear. Make that end goal that, that help them visualize success for themselves and help them get there. And I think that's what they do really well. Now, there's a lot of other things you can get into, the systems they have in place. Um, I think you can make even a stronger analogy to, to corporations or businesses. Like, you know, how are you structuring your business? Um, you can learn a lot from how they funnel people through all the age grade systems, you know, and they, they continually develop people and they develop leadership all the way up. So there's an ever revolving uh, cycle of the next player. So you're never comfortable in, in that black jersey or green jersey because there's always someone a year younger than you that is knocking on the door and they're ready and they have leadership skills. They're, we're not talking about they're just good athletes um, because when you're at the level, I'll, I'll use New Zealand since that's what you, you've used a couple times. If you're at that level, you're ready not only to inherit the jersey and pass the ball well and tackle well, you're ready to lead on the field well because one aspect of rugby that's really, really unique is the fact that there is no coach on the field coaching the game. Once game day is there, once you step step onto the pitch and the ball is kicked, it is your team, it, not the coaching. So you're not getting lots of calls from the sidelines or that kind of stuff. It is you putting into practice everything your coaches have taught you. So I think it's a really interesting model uh, to look at. It's very different than sports, um, traditional sports in America and probably elsewhere in the world. So um, it's, it's just one of those unique things that makes it exciting that when you're on the field, um, it really is you and your teammates, you know, doing your thing. How do you think as a coach, so that would be a supervisor in an organization and the team, how do they get to that point where the supervisor can step back and go, I'm trusting my team to do what they need to do? It does start with trust um, and building a culture of trust. And if you don't know how to do that, I think that's a massive topic. Um, you know, I would, I would recommend, uh, uh, it's a Covey book, you know, the speed of trust. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good insight into that book on, on, you know, the value of trust and how, how to build it, how long it takes, how easy it is to lose trust. That's again, that's a whole other philosophy conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, but it all starts with trust and, and you as a leader have to trust your team and it may take a while to get there, uh, to, to feel secure in that, but. It is about the intentional building of that culture in your organization. So if it's just you and your team, you should be building that. You're ultimately responsible for if they can be successful on their own. Uh, right now, um, just to kind of call out what's going on in the world, uh, many of us are working remotely for the first time. And I know there's a lot of people that are panicking. Um, and I will say it's probably because they have not invested enough time into that kind of culture mm -hmm. um, to feel comfortable with their team working remotely. I mean, trust is a big issue and why companies don't let people work remotely. So um, I think you have to be intentional and purposeful about the kind of culture you're building and building a culture of trust takes work and it takes focus and it takes you as a leader also being someone um, that they can trust and depend on.
Love it. You're giving me so much. Okay. Another observation of the game that you will right. so well <laughs> um, bring into, like, what do you call it? Transform it into something actionable for people listening or watching. What fascinates me, and I personally couldn't play rugby or touch rugby, I remember we used to do it in like physical education in school, is it's a game of going forward by going backwards. And I was, oh God, if I learned it, I'd probably be a better human. But basically for people that are not aware with rugby is that you got a pitch, you're trying to get from one end to the other, you cannot pass the ball forward, which means mm -hmm. that the team needs to move forward and you have to pass the ball backwards. Yes. What can L&D teams or organizations learn from this? Well, I'm going to go back to teamwork and trust. Um, mm -hmm. You can only do so much. You can only go so far you're on your own. So unlike a lot of sports, um, there's not uh, – well, I'll compare it to American sports. It's what I grew up on. I played football all, all the way um, – I played all the way through uh, university level. Um, there are superstars on, on, on American football teams. Um, going back, and this will date me to when I was a kid, you had guys like Deion Sanders, Emmett Smith. I'm going to the Cowboys. It's the area I grew up in. And right there, they would showboat into the, to the end zone. And that's, people love that, right? But that, the reality is, is that in any organization, that's typically not how things get done. That's not a great business model to, to depend on someone mm one or two key people that can just get stuff done. Rugby is a game where you have to depend on the entire team to move that ball forward or else you are going to be going backwards because myself, I can, I can run the ball. I, I'm, I'm for a big guy. I'm, I'm pretty quick, but I'm not necessarily long-term fast. Yeah. So I know what I'm good at. So I'm going to get in there. I might, if I get the ball, I'm going to take it. I'm going to go into contact hard and try to take down two or three people that will free up space on the rest of the field. And then if my team can pass the ball fast enough, they can use the fact that it took two or three people to tackle me. There's now an overlap on the outside somewhere. And so it's about taking advantage of those spaces um, by, again, passing the ball. But it all comes from teamwork and trust. Or else, if you just keep passing that ball backwards and you're not, you're not trusting each other, you'll, you'll continue to backhole. So, yeah, you have to trust your teammates. And... Um, you have to realize that you can't do it all by yourself. Yeah. You I don't think that is like a players who are like I myself people. You rarely meet those uh, top athletes who just talk about themselves. Yeah. In and it, th that's something that I find curious about American football is that it it's always the quarterback, but I'm like, this is a team sport. And I always like my boyfriend and I talk about this and he's like, I'm sure people have thought about it, Kim, um, is like pulling from other sports such as rugby or we have rug so rugby unions, what we're talking about now, we have rugby league here as well. And like there's so many things that if the coaches looked at that and built more of a team perspective and vice versa, American football coming into those sports as well that they could learn. But I find it so curious that, Basically, if you put the analogy into this is an organization, they're betting on one superstar. Is that the CEO? I don't know. To get the team to win championships and stuff like that. Does it work or not? Like, it's curious because you've got teams through rugby, but you, I feel like you have individual superstars in American football. And who are yeah. like running backs? Maybe they get like a little bit of a mention, but who are the other people in the team? Shame. Yes. So. <laughs> 
it's 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 one of the things that drew me to rugby. I was I was I was in uh, college or university, uh, and I never touched the ball. I was a defensive tackle, um, so my job was just tackle people, tackle people. Yeah. Um, so that was that was my world, and um, yeah, I never I never touched the football. And as a kid, you always imagine yourself passing the ball, catching the ball, you know, going into the end zone, doing a dance. But the reality is, is that for the majority of people who are playing football, you're not touching the football. You're doing something to either protect a quarterback or you're trying to, you know, murder somebody on the other side. Uh, that's it. That's that's the kind of dimensions of it. So, yeah, they're, they're, it creates these big ego uh, centers within the team. Because, and, and I mean, and, and there's some validity behind that, too, because uh, – a good example, what's what's going to happen right now, Tom Brady, uh, super successful quarterback for the Patriots, um, has left the Patriots. Um, how much of their success has been built upon his ability and his skill? Um, so that's that's a big question. There's a there's a vacuum now. That not, I don't want to say a power vacuum, maybe, maybe a little bit, but there's a talent vacuum for sure. Um, and are they going to be able to fill it for the next season? And I think that's the big question. And that's where here in America, if you're watching ESPN, they will talk for hours about that very topic. Um, that's not a great way to be successful. Um, it, you know, if your CEO retires, steps down, um, is let go, whatever, that should not be the end of the business. Um, so your business should be able to continue because everybody else should be able to know what's going on. You should have succession planning built in, all of that great stuff. So just to think about it, even on a smaller level, if you're building a uh, team that's focused on designing, learning, uh, facilitating, whatever it is, you know, are you dependent on one person who's really talented or are you helping diversify the talents of everybody else? Are you leaning into everybody's strengths or are you just focused on one person's strengths? So um, I would say it, learn from that. You don't want that to happen, that your best player, your best contributor on your team leaves um, because you get offered a better job and you, you can't continue the work at the pace and the level that you're doing it. So help elevate the rest of your team. Give them the ball every once in a while. Um, mm. That's cool. Well, I guess what we could learn or what we should value, I guess, is there needs to be, and I don't know what the role is called or whatever in rugby, but someone that is a, a body of people working together to get the systems and processes right, to be clear that these are our systems and processes and the team is on board with that, that they're working on the culture, that everything is being driven by this one body that kind of, I, I can't think of the word right now, but they steer everyone in the right direction to achieve the strategic objective, win the World Cup, whatever it is. And I guess in organizations, that is HR, organizational development, L&D as well. Yep. We're yeah, valuable. <laughs> we are, we are we're super valuable. If you're, if you're in training and development, learning and development, talent development, whatever the heck you want to call it, you have this amazing uh, channel where you can breathe um, culture into everything you do. Mm. You have this huge, huge table of influence. And if you don't realize it, um, I'm hoping this is a wake up call for you. You can 
really help steer the ship in that direction. Um, so if, if you, I, I hear this a lot from people in L&D, uh, that they don't feel like they have a seat at the table, they don't feel like they're heard. Get a seat at the table by understanding what the business is trying to do and help the business try to do that. And after you help the business try to do what they need to do, they will let you do whatever you want to do. Yeah. So if you have a bunch of random you know, initiatives that are important to you because you think they'll help, but you've not really tuned into what the business needs and helped them, um, they're not going to care about your small stuff. Yeah. Um, having said that, every step along the way, if you're, every course you design, everything that you build, you can breathe company culture into that. And you have this amazing place of influence and I, I just I don't know if people realize that that the amount of times that they're able to communicate things to people um, that they can really shape the way a, a company operates so just recognize that think about it for for a few minutes and then start designing with more intentionality um, in in terms of how you um, convey convey the company culture yeah a hundred percent. I'm so with that. I think, you know, we need to be clear on where the business is going and then how are we getting our employees skilled or whatever it is to contribute to that because businesses care about profit or their contribution, whatever the impact might be. A lot of the time it is profit though. Um, mm -hmm. So making the link between if we can get, and that's where I guess capability frameworks come from. But a lot of the time we're just Googling what's a capability framework and then we're actually just copying someone else's, but we need to be very clear on, okay, if these are our strategic objectives and this is where we're going, this is where we as L&D need to support and contribute to, to help our team members get there so that we yep. can achieve whatever they are. And talk about it. Um, yes. If you're doing it, if you're doing it, let people know you're doing it. If you're connecting, you know, if you're connecting the dots between those lines, tell people you're doing it, let people know, that you're intentionally trying to help them out. Um, that's how you get support. And, it, and, and by your organization generating a profit, that's how you then get budget for next year if you wanna do something bigger. Show that connection. Um, yeah. it's, it's not as difficult as you think, but it, it also, I'll take just a minute to tie into your, uh, your, you know, your learning evaluation. You know, what level of evaluation are you doing for your learning? Are you taking it to a level three or level four if you're using Kirkpatrick's levels of evaluation? Yep. Are you going there with it or are you looking for those opportunities? That's something I tell all of my teams is look for those opportunities. It's, it's not always easy to do a level four, which is kind of that ROI evaluation. It's not always easy. So I'm not saying it has to be done for everyone, but if you, if you think you've identified a project that we can, Let's absolutely take it to that level because it's worth it. Because then you can go back to this and say, here's how we, here's how we impacted ROI. So look for those opportunities um, and, and, and take it to that level if you can. I love that. I'm so glad that you said that. Amazing. Let that sink in, people. I want you to like rewind like the last one minute and watch it again. Go have a look at Kirkpatrick. See what number four is that Nate's talking about look at how you're doing your projects at the moment and are they doing something around that space or what would it take to get them there? And then the really key thing is communicate, communicate what you're doing, share, 
with everyone around you that this is how we're contributing and helping people achieve what we're here as a business to do. My last kind of, as we sum up this is, any um, other teams or aspects of rugby that you wanna have the final word on to share what L&D or organizations should learn from rugby? Yeah, I think, uh, and I hope, I hope it comes across, I think passion should be big. I think you should be excited about what you're doing. I, and if, if you're not, um, I don't wanna say you're in the wrong industry, it's, I'm not gonna make that kind of statement, but if you're not, figure out how to get passionate. Um, get yourself excited about what you're doing. I think that is, passion is key. If you look at sport of any sort, I think specifically if you look at rugby, uh, passion is actually one of the world rugby values. Um, I think you have to be excited about what you're doing. Um, I, I regularly, when I teach um, like facilitators, like how to facilitate, you, you have to get inspired to be inspired. And inspiration comes from all sorts of different places. It may be watching sport. And some of you are going like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sporty. I don't like watching sports. This episode is not my jam. That's fine. You don't have to be sporty. Um, it can be Braveheart. Again, that's probably a very male reference. Also, it, it can be anything, right? Um, what is that that gets you excited? What is it that, that you're passionate about um, in your personal life? It, make sure you're filling yourself up and, and, and coming to your work excited. If you're not, it's going to suck for you and it's going to suck for the end learner. So find your passion again, renew that passion. And again, that, that, that comes from you. I don't know, maybe here's a different philosophy. I think it's very hard to fully separate work and life. I think what we're seeing right now with um, people having to work from home, um, all the kind of chaos that's going on is I think that we're in a really interesting period of time where we're seeing that, that line between work and life balance that it's, it's, it's not so much of the balance as it is they, they, they cross over all the time. When you're at work, you're thinking about home, and that's not a bad thing. And when you're at home, you're going to sometimes be thinking about work, and that's not a bad thing either. Um, I do agree we need balance, so don't be a workaholic and be working at home and don't never show up to work. But what I'm saying is that I think this has really lifted this veil up and that um, if you're not passionate and excited in your personal life, that's going to bleed over into your work. Um, and if that's where you're at, you, you might be depressed and that might be when you start seeking some professional help. There is no shame in that. I think there's some really large initiatives right now in the sport of rugby around mental health. Um, and I don't want to link everything if you're not excited about life as depression, but it could be. So there's no shame in going, getting help yourself, taking care of yourself from a mental standpoint, making sure that you're passionate and excited about the things that you're involved in in your personal life, in your professional life. I think all of those things are key to you being successful. So think about that. Are you showing up to work passionate and ready to go? Um, and if not, start asking yourself questions. Use the, the five why model and really do a root cause analysis on yourself of why you're not passionate. Um, I, it's probably not because you're in the wrong job. Maybe you're at the wrong company. That might be a conclusion or it may not be, but it could just be uh, there's other things in your life and they bleed over into your work. And that's, that's okay. We all get there. And I think it's just taking a moment and, and doing some self-assessment, but passion, 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 it's big. 
I love it. Nate, thank you so much for coming on because I think um, the reason we have connected and resonate, you resonate with me is your passion. Um, around the industry and I really appreciate that so I want to be around that energy because it lifts my game you know and it helps me be a better practitioner so that's why I appreciate people like you and I think it is infectious and I think a lot of people in L&D they've got into it because they're interested you know they're curious they like learning themselves they want to help others and sometimes we can lose that passion on the journey and that's okay and it's whether you take the time, as you say, to get the five whys or, and the root cause to figure out what's going on. And sometimes it can be that we're working on initiatives that we don't believe in or that we're, we're reactive in the L&D space and we want to be more proactive. And I think what you said before around looking at Kirkpatrick and number four and that return on investment, if you can get really clear on how you can contribute to the organization, they will value you more. And as you say, over, link, they'll start, over time, they'll start to link and find that importance and that value and trust you and allow you to start working and driving initiatives that you're passionate again. And I think you can kind of close that gap from where you probably started in your career. Maybe you've kind of swayed away, but it can come back, definitely. Yeah, and it takes, it takes work, but it's work, it's work worth doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to spend the next 20, 30 years in your current situation or do you want to just spend the next like two to three months rejigging stuff and then have that blessing for the rest of your life? Yep. Okay. Wrapping up. Thank you so much. I actually got a lot of value from, well, not actually, but I did get a lot of value from this and I have a lot more respect from being able to talk to you as well. I already respected you and as I said, enjoyed your company, but yeah, I really respect you and I think that your organization should be so grateful to have someone like you and the people within your teams and also the team that you lead as well. Um, they're definitely in a very good place to have someone oh, like you. Quick shout out, I do, I do have an awesome team um, and I'm very, very fortunate, very, very, uh, very, very blessed in that regard. Um, so they're very, um, they all get passionate, they all get excited um none of them know how to play rugby and that's okay um, <laughs> but um yeah I, they're great so building a great team is, is worthwhile um being lucky sometimes like i have been i just recently made a career change and i inherited a group of people who are awesome that's also a big blessing so if you find yourself that you have a great team cherish it hold on to it and nurture that um otherwise it could go the opposite direction yeah Definitely. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Nate. Welcome, or not welcome. Goodbye to everyone that listened to Learning with Bell Vista Studios. Thank you for letting us learn with you, Nate. Um, if this has added value to you, share it with someone, add value to their life, and have an awesome day.